Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm really glad to spend the next half hour with you. So we are really coming to the end of this two-week series on dating in the 21st century. And it's quite hard to do. Uh, It's a lot more complicated. We have lots more options. We've kind of taken a ton of rules uh, or structure off the table that just used to be a given. And so sometimes it's kind of hard to maneuver through all of this. I hope this last week and a half has been helpful for you. And we're going to really work today on just what are some dating deal breakers. And we talked briefly about that yesterday. I kind of interspersed some things in there just about what are some red flags and really knowing a red flag, a yellow flag, a green flag. And so when you think about yellow flags, green flags, red flags, we're going to start with the red flags. And that means that this is a non-negotiable, okay? This should be something that you go, you know what, I I don't know if I'm even going to try to work this out if this is showing up this soon in the relationship or just even in us figuring out if we want a relationship. So if it shows up that early, then you know that it's probably a bigger problem than what you're saying. Because generally, when we're in the dating process, we're kind of being on our best behavior. We're practicing self-control and we're wanting to put our best foot forward. And so we generally are showing the best version of ourselves, And as we kind of learn that person, we start to find out, you know, there may be some things in the closet. There may be some yellow flags that we might need to address. Maybe we do find out there's a red flag. But if you see a red flag in the first, I don't know, three to six times you're, you're dating or being with one another, you might want to really consider that. And I gave you some of my own. And those were things like how the person deals with the wait staff how they handle their children, how they talk about their family. You know, and you can talk frankly about your family. And, and, you know, I think that's one of the ways that we bond with people is we talk about just who we are, where we've been, where we're going. So when you talk about family, if you're able to talk about your family very frankly, and, hey, this is just, this is who my, who my family is, and still say it in a respectful and loving manner, even if some relationships are broken. Or even if there are some really strict boundaries on certain family members, that you don't want to hear someone really trash talk their family, because they're a part of it. Whether they like it or not, they're a part of it. So there's a difference between being honest and being rude or cruel or brutal about someone or actually just gossiping about somebody. So you want to think about the context. What is the context of the sharing? Why are we talking about this? And, and that helps to understand what it is that you're hearing and why you're hearing it and why the person might be saying some of the things that they're saying. So things, things like being rude to, to the wait staff, all right, um, 
calling last minute, breaking the date, not having a good excuse for that. These types of things, because even if the person is breaking the dates at the last final hour, maybe it's because of anxiety, maybe they're afraid. Well, that's still kind of at least a yellow flag and possibly a red flag because it means that it's showing up before you even get to spend time with a person. If they have anxiety and they're not managing it or they're not getting some help for it or learning how to deal with it, that could be a deal breaker because anxiety disorders, fear that's not managed, similar to anger problems, they can really disrupt your relationship and intimacy and can really get in the way of you even getting to know the person. So what you want to think about is this idea of, can I depend on this person? Can I depend on this person to show up? Are they polite? Are they considerate? Are they kind? Do they appear to be honest? And we don't want complete honesty the first time you meet someone. That would be kind of immature. You know, there are, there are things that we share as the relationship deepens. So you want to think about when you're with the person at the beginning, something strikes you as odd or bizarre, kind of sticks with you, makes you uncomfortable, but you can't really wrap any meaning around it. It's probably a red flag. Because early in the relationship, that's the one thing that's right in front of you that may be a sign of something deeper. So I don't say this um, blithely or, or with uh, sarcasm, but really, if that's happening, don't waste your time. Don't. Because what's going to happen is you're going to invest a whole bunch of time in someone. Six months later, you're going to find out this is just not working at all. And then it's going to be really painful to try to break it off. Breaking up is also very hard to do. And many times we don't do it well. So now that I think about it, maybe I'll make a note and talk about breaking up and how we break up and have some rules around that so that we know what it is that we're doing so that we can come out of it with less wreckage and damage. So we'll, we'll think about that for another time. But I want you to really think about these, these ideas of, of rules and early warning signs. So let's, let's notice this. If you have a love interest, shows up more than a little late. Now, like I said, this can be a sign of anxiety, trouble tracking time, could be simple disrespect. So you have to ask yourself, is this something you can deal with? And I will be very honest with you. Anyone that knows me knows I have trouble with time. I really do. I try to fit too many things into things. I'm, I'm always up in my head thinking about ideas, and so I'm not always remembering everything I need to take with me, so I might have to go back and get something. I get pretty hyper-focused when something really grabs my attention, and so in my sessions, I have a hard time ending right when I should because I'm really into the session. And so people know this about me. They also know my heart, and they know how hard I work on it. See, if I just expected everybody to tolerate it, like, hey, that's just me, so get over it, that would be a deal breaker for relationship because that would mean a complete disregard and disrespect of others' time. So I am very thankful for how gracious people are with me regarding time, and I thank them often, and they see my effort to fit in the box. That makes me a safe person, a very imperfect person, but still a safe person. 
So this is where we really want to think about the difference between mistake making, imperfect people, fallen people, versus safe and unsafe. And we've done some shows on safe and unsafe people. And so the bottom line of a safe person is they care more about their own problem than you do. It bothers them more than it bothers you. This makes a safe person. This is someone that's actually working on something and takes responsibility for it and is not defensive, but apologetic and sincerely means it. And you see the effort that they're putting into it. They're managing it themselves. They're working on it. So when you consider different things you see that are problematic, part of that yellow flag of saying, you don't, this isn't necessarily immoral, but it's kind of problematic. It's probably going to get on my nerves. And it may inhibit our intimacy. So I want to see what this person's thoughts are about that particular behavior. So let's say they call and cancel the first time. Sounds like they have a really good excuse. Well, if they call you back, they make another date, they follow through with it completely, they apologize again, you probably have a safe person. Maybe it was a real, maybe it was whatever got in the way of them meeting with you was real. And they were honest. What if they said, hey, I have really bad anxiety, I ought to be honest with you, and I'm working on it, and that's what happened to me last time, and I just have to let you know, I'm really working on it. So if you can tolerate it for a while while I figure it out, I'd really appreciate it. That's a very safe person. That's someone that maybe you might feel like you could share some of your own imperfections with. What about this? Drinks too much. Okay, so... You know, as Christians, it used to be, oh, a couple decades ago that Christians never drank. If they did, they didn't want anyone necessarily to know. Well, we have a whole new world now where, and, and I think some of it's very good. I think that, you know, we've talked about the verse in Corinthians that says that when Jesus says, hey, everything's permissible, but not everything is constructive. And we talked about that when we, when we were addressing being an adult so God is saying to us, you're your own parent. Everything is permissible, but it may not be constructive. So if it's not constructive for you, if you don't manage that, um, the liberalness well, if you can't seem to carry and, and maintain your own boundaries, then maybe you shouldn't do the behavior. So there are some things, and I've been very um, honest, very open about this. I used to smoke cigarettes back when I was in college, and I, I'll tell you the truth, I loved them. I still, I still could drink, I, I still could smoke today, but I don't because it's not constructive for me. I come from a long line biologically of people that were very addicted to drinking alcohol and very addicted to drugs and very addicted to cigarettes. They were brilliant people, very talented people, good-looking people, very successful people, but really struggled with different and varying addictions. So I have to be very careful. So I quit in 1985. I have not smoked since then. So even though I don't begrudge anyone if they want to smoke a cigarette every now and then, whatever. If you want to drink, have a drink every now and then, great. I usually tell people to treat alcoholic drinks the same way you would dessert. And so you would eat one piece of cake. You would not eat the entire cake. So we want to do things in moderation. 
Well, if you're with someone that doesn't know how to moderate that alcohol, or if they, let's say they have anxiety, and they're using alcohol to manage the anxiety, neither, none of this is good. So you want to ask yourself, is this a one-time thing, or is this the way they live? Is this their lifestyle? So if it happens more than once, and it happens early on, you might want to pay attention. And like I said, it could just be nerves. Maybe, you know, you could suggest problem solving around that. But it might be, you know, a compulsive, compulsive problem, and it could also be actually an addiction. It could be the very thing that they go to to help them and to support them, and that's not healthy. That's not something we judge, but we do judge the consequences of that. And that may not be something that's healthy for you in terms of attaching to someone that struggles with something like that. How about they trash talk their ex? And they spend an inordinate amount of time talking about their last relationship. I mean, it's certainly, absolutely, it can take a long time to get over people sometimes. And if it was a very deep relationship, a very committed relationship, and a long-standing one, it can take at least a minimum of a year sometimes. But if your date is continuously focusing on the ex, how can they possibly focus on you? Are they ready to move on? Are they using you to distract themselves? And if they devalue this person in that manner, what would keep them from doing that with you if all of a sudden or over the course of time you were displeasing to them? You didn't do what they wanted. You had to confront them on certain things, and they didn't take it well. So you want to remind yourself, in the beginning stages of dating, you don't know the whole story. You only know their side. And that's, that's important. You have to really gauge the vehemence, the intensity that they're talking with. If they start crying, if they start swearing, if they start yelling, if they order another drink and they're talking about their ex, they're getting worked up can't get over it. They tell you details you should never know. That tells you they're not over this person. And that would be certainly a deal breaker. And you may want to say to them something like, hey, I, I really get it. Relationships are tough. It sounds like you need to still work on that past relationship so that you can really be present, really be whoever you want to be for the new ones. Because we focused a lot on your ex, and I get it. I've had some, you know, my own relationships I've had to get over. And really encourage them. You know, you could say nicely, listen, can, can you just take some time and work on that? And maybe you can give me a call in a couple of months. And you can see if the tone has changed. Now, that's vastly different than when you are dating someone and you're kind of gathering information. And you want to know their story. So if they speak frankly about the person, it may be some very negative things they have to say about that ex. It may be very specific. It may be very ugly. That's usually people don't break up if things are working well. But if you hear intensity that sounds unresolved, and you see that their life isn't moving forward, that's the red flag. It's not whether they're honest about their last relationship. 
See, if they're honest about their last relationship and they say, Here, here's the, the deal. I did not choose well. I don't know how I did it, but I did not choose well. And, and I knew it, and I still went forward with it. Maybe they even married the person. Maybe they have kids with them. But if they're saying to you, but I figured out where the misstep was, and I've been able to forgive, I've been able to move on, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily like the person, but I don't hate them. And that's important. The forgiveness piece is usually the piece that will tell you it's the process is complete. And whatever it was that happened in that past relationship is now really good information for them and a really good life lesson that maybe they don't have to learn with you. And so maybe they'll, they'll be able to bring to the relationship some new skills, some tolerance, some maturity, some acceptance. Maybe they'll be less needy, maybe less controlling. So being able to gauge what the rhetoric sounds like and you want to make sure you listen to your gut because you'll hear it in your gut if they're still not over the person, if they haven't forgiven them, if they still use that, excuse, that relationship as an excuse for whatever else is going on in their life. You'll hear the difference. You'll feel the difference. So how about this one? This is kind of interesting, and we, we, <laughs> I'm going to bring this one up because this is an extremes. So we have someone that grooms too much, or not enough. So we have people that show up looking like they just crawled out of bed, right? Now that's pretty disrespectful, I have to tell you. And that isn't that we don't want to be accepting of this person completely. But usually we want to reserve that look, which is a private look. And I can't tell you how many times I have to talk to people about this. Like, don't go to the grocery store in your pajamas, please. You know, none of us know you that well, and we frankly don't want to know you that well. So don't bring your private life into the public sector, right? So we have someone that doesn't groom enough. Maybe they don't put time into it. Maybe they think that's, that's somehow a positive, that, hey, I don't get into my looks that much. I don't care. I either I am who I am, okay? There's some healthiness possibly in that that we don't want to do over-grooming, right, where we can't even let anybody see us until we're 100% put together. And there's a vanity issue. So we want to find out where the balance is. Because an over-grooming maybe is a puffed up sense of self. Maybe they're not secure. So maybe they have to really present this, this persona in order to feel confident. Maybe they feel like they have to be perfect all the time. Well, they, they may start to um, put that on you if you guys are, begin dating and have a relationship. They may start to nitpick the way that you look, the way you dress, the way you act. Because if it's all about presentation, and that's how, where I get my feelings of self-worth, then that's going to be a, a pretty vain and shallow person. Not a person of depth and not someone that can be truly intimate can truly be known and truly know you. So they groom too much, they don't groom enough. So we're always wanting to look for balance. So I would prefer that if you are meeting someone for the first time, they respect you enough to put themselves together. 
And if you're meeting someone for the first time, I'm hoping that they don't spend their entire time looking in their, their compact, looking in the mirror, redoing their makeup, whatever that may be. And so that you really recognize what are really healthy parameters. Overgrooming can be some, maybe some narcissism, some, maybe some real immaturity that I'm only as good as how I look. Undergrooming can be a sign of disrespect. It also could be a sign of depression. And so we did talk about this next one, you know, sending food back. You know, once it, it might be okay, like let's say they really messed up the food. But if they constantly do this, if nothing is ever right, and then they refuse to pay for what it is that they even ate, this is a red flag. Again, how do they handle public situations? Do they have grace, class, respect for others? Are they in control of their own emotions? How do they handle being disrespected by a waiter? How do they handle being disrespected by other patrons in the restaurant? How do they handle difficult situations if they get insulted or offended? These are really important qualities to look for in someone. How quickly do they ramp up? And then if they do, if they get insulted, do they talk about it the rest of the night? Can they not get over it? So you might want to think about these are initial alarms. If you ignore those alarms, then let's look at this. This could be a sign of trouble. They don't introduce you to friends or family. They always have an excuse why they don't. This is truly a sign of disrespect, but it's also a sign that maybe you're not a priority. Maybe they have somebody else. Maybe there's a relationship that they're doing that they're not telling you about. So this is a really important red flag to say, you know, we've been dating three months. I don't know any of your friends. I don't know anything about your family. I don't even know necessarily where they live, but you've gone to several family occasions and you haven't invited me. Those would be really important questions. So what about this? They don't have friends. You're the only one. This is probably the most destructive idea in American romance. That you don't want to be somebody's everything, every, every, everything. If she or he doesn't have friends, you may want to consider why. How about this one? They isolate you. So they want to spend your time all the time. That your time is their time. And they want to be with you, and they want you to be with them all the time. And this is an issue of trust. It's like they can't trust you. So they have to control everything. They want to know everywhere you go, everyone you've talked to. They want to look at your phone. These would be really important signs to look at and say, this doesn't feel right. This isn't, this isn't good. How about they want to do only what, you, what, what they want to do? So they want you to like everything they do and bring you along to everything that they want to do. They don't want to experiment and try things that you may like. And this last one, as we come to the end of the show today, they never pay their share. Now, I'm all for, you know, gentlemen paying the tab. I think it's a great sign of respect to women. I think it's, it's, a, it's a very wonderful gesture. But if you always expect them to pay, you never offer or you don't do things to compensate, or if you always expect to do everything half, you might want to think of some of these things. So the bottom line, trust your judgment. 
Trust your judgment. Listen to your gut. Nobody's perfect. And you don't go into relationships to reform and fix people. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Join me tomorrow as we continue with Dating is Hard to Do. God bless you. Check out the website, CynthiaHyatt.com. Thanks, Jeremy, for helping out always. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.